Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wake up in the morning feeling like. I'm Nolly Waterman. I'm Laura Jane Jones. And this, my friends, is the Try Hard Podcast. Can you hear me? <laughs> of course I can, mate. It's not a, like a hand... Well, it's not the old school phones it used to have when you were little. It's a mobile technology now. I love how you've all of a sudden become like the technological person of this podcast. <laughs> to be fair, I was having the best conversation with Rob Vickerman the other day about how when you were little, you knew all of your mate's phone numbers. Do you know what, and... you say that, but I only knew my home phone number and my friend Emily's, and I still, they're the only two phone numbers apart from my mobile number that are committed to my memory. Why do you only? Why do you only know Emily's? To be fair, I think I only knew Dion. The only so. phone number that I like ever <laughs> dialed, and I I would like to say it out loud on the pod, but her dad lives in the same house and has the same phone number, so. I'm Did you ever gonna... do that dial up where you could have a couple of friends on the same call, but then you'd get charged for it? Like oh my god! Are you kidding me? Nick Jones would lose his head if you used one four seven one because you had to pay for it, like. <laughs> Dialing extra one. people in, no chance. Did you used to call up the um, talking clock and think you're really cool? <laughs> no, but when when Sophie was little, she used to, you know, you used to take the phone off like the hook and it'd have like a dial tone, and then eventually it'd go na na na. The number you have dialed has not been recognised. Please hang up and try again. Sophie would argue with that woman. You could be one of those people, I reckon. And in fact, we were talking about it for ages and it was making me really laugh because we were talking then about dial-up internet and the... Yeah, and then your auntie would ring your mum and you'd be like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, get off the phone! And I like, I know that for me, I'd be like... It would be my auntie Jan, and I know for you it would be your auntie Jean ringing and that moment of like being kicked off MSN, you are knee-deep in some really good chat you've got a really good song lyric in your like status bar you've just nudged some boy from the year above phone rings <laughs> kicked off one of the funniest things was the fact that we had um we had a cordless one and when my nan who must have been like late 70s then came to stay she picked up the wrong way around and honest <laughs> to god it literally had the antenna was talking into the antenna and it literally entertained my brothers and i for about three years but um anyway we're not just on a normal call we're actually on a podcast we so are on a podcast. We... but you know what i like the fact that you mentioned rob vickerman there because i have to mention this very early doors have you seen the michael checker rob vickerman <laughs> interview where vix puts the microphone a bit too close to checker's face for his own comfort <gasps> and he pushes his hand away I didn't realise that that was Rob's interview. Yeah. I just saw the clip of the... Oh, To be fair, he's doing a good job over there. He's had some some feisty interviews to get done. I don't think I'd want to stand in front of Checker when he's steaming. No, um, I've seen him in full flow after Quinn's beat Stade Francais in the Challenge Cup final and he broke the viewfinder off a Sky Sports camera. Oh. Spicy. Slightly, slightly aggressive. But anyway... We'll talk about rugby in a bit. Um, you've been all over the internet, mate. Your videos galore. Yeah, mate. Do you know what? It's one of these things where 
I just feel like the World <laughs> Cup is when I truly thrive. Um, and aside from on a professional level, um, I've just really thrived in match point, which I'll bring up early doors because you are having a stinker. You were terrible in round one and you kicked off round two by forgetting to predict the first match. <laughs> but I have a very good reason for doing that because I actually um, was commentating and I couldn't get to sleep. I knew I hadn't done the um, prediction. thought my phone's on charge over the other side of the room. I'll do it when I wake up. That's a new that for your phone to be on charge. <laughs> Well, it's because my alarm was going off at 4 a.m. Oh, fair. Yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, had a bit of a stinker. Haven't uh, haven't done too well, apart from the fact that my dad's gone on holiday and Big Jim has gifted me a Guinness. So <laughs> oh. my family are feeling sorry for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll be enjoying that um, on Friday evening, I'm sure. Do you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. So I've already started round two well enough to have won a guinness and won a guinness to gift so i'm going to gift my guinness to lauren jenks and then the two of us can go to the pub in Pontcana and both Ooh. have free guinness girls night girls, girls night, night on the black um, stuff um and should we talk about i think we need to now give a shout out um i mean georgie gulliver has been giving me drip for about a week but you know what it's quite nice it's quite nice for georgie gulliver to have some new material as opposed to just talking (laughs) about your nostrils yeah true yeah true um although there was a picture on the barbara's group where i'm laughing my nose is slightly more open than it normally is and she instantly i think within about 0.3 three of a second commented about my nostrils so it's still there the banter's still coming um yeah little shout out to george and ben for sharing um, a couple's pint of guinness each um for their good techers in round two so far yeah and i love the fact that the um eventual winner of round one was charlie cutting who you know, he'd won in your eyes anyway because you liked his name and he officially topped the charts in round one of the tryhards podcast he's got some tryhards merch on its way to him very soon well done charlie and he's my mate um pat's friend too oh that's nice yeah pat's a good lad njj's done pretty well in uh, round two so far as well he'd sent me uh, a screenshot to show me that he was ninth so i'm all for the friends and family doing well and you doing badly um but remember if you're listening to this and you're not on it um get involved because it doesn't matter whether you missed round one round two whatever get involved join the tryhards league and uh yeah i'm sure you can be beating me in round three and four and moving forward you can probably um, start round two now and be beating her guys so get involved um, download the match point app it's a little yellow icon with black writing on it go in play for pints on the guinness bit and then join league and it is tryhards all one word to get involved um I was talking just now about the videos, mainly that you've been doing for Scrum 5. Uh-huh. Um, I actually have been quite impressed, but the reason I wanted to um, comment was because your eyes are magnificent, and anyone that hasn't seen them, you're the most expressionate person with your eyes. I, I've never seen <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievable. Do you know what? As much as I never want you to see this, I do <laughs> think you should... When I was about six years old, we went on a family holiday... And my dad borrowed a video camera from the company he worked for. He never gave it back. And we've got uh, some like, we've we've got some pretty good um like family videos from those holidays when we we're very, very small. And I you know, this is like twenty five years ago, I still get ribbed for the fact in one of these videos I am slightly concerned this little girl I've befriended within the square in uh, Torrevieca is going to steal my dolly and my eyes open so wide they look like they're going to fall out my face and and i basically turn around and say something like dad where do we get those dollies from my dad says that to me at least once a week to this day because if ever i say anything and my eyes open slightly wider then that's yeah, what but, he comes back with yeah but your normal eyes are me stretching to the point where my eyes hurt you stretching them is like golf balls but i actually it actually made me think the other day, and I know it's a pretty serious topic, but um, with um, Ardy Severe needing goggles, I actually thought you would need 
like proper pint glasses to be able to see a rugby ball, wouldn't you? If you well, actually played. But do you know what? That's the thing. I so if I played any sport, I obviously would have to wear something because I my vision is very very poor and I can't wear qualify, contacts. Do you qualify for um, the blind football? I'm not far off. Like <laughs> I mean. If I took my glasses off, I would have to have, like, bells in the ball. Um, but I can't wear contacts because I've got, like, a problem with the lens of my eye. So I'd have to wear those goggles like Ardy's wearing at the World Cup. And I'm glad you've brought it up because I tweeted about this, um, this just this morning, actually. So Ardy Sarvea is going to be the first player to wear those at a World Cup. But I think it's really important, and, and I think probably a lot of perhaps English listeners won't necessarily be familiar with um, the trailblazing that Ian McKinley has done to get to make this possible for somebody to be able to wear these in competitive rugby so Ian McKinley is um, an Irishman who plays for Italy Um, he played for Leinster and um, whilst playing rugby in Ireland club rugby in Ireland he suffered a very serious injury and nearly lost his eye and when oh, that yeah. happened, he was told that he wouldn't be able to play rugby again for the safety of his sight. So he stopped playing rugby and about six months later, he was about to cross a road in Dublin and his retina detached. Literally just stood in the street, what? his retina detached. And he lost all sight in his eye at that moment. So he's blind in one eye. Um, and he basically a few years later found that by wearing those goggles it would mean that he could play rugby again because obviously it would be too dangerous for him to have sight in only one eye and be able and you know risk losing that and being completely blind so he got these goggles he had to go to italy to be able to play rugby because it in ireland it wasn't allowed he's worked so hard first of all through the pro 14 then um erc as it was then now epcr and then world rugby and actually when he was trying to get it through world rugby the only union that stood in his way was actually the irfu um, which you know, is, is technically his home union and he had such a battle and it's something that you know somebody who's gone through something so so horrendous to have to fight that as well afterwards and the opportunities that that's now given to people who are you know have bad eyesight or are at risk of losing their sight so Ardi Sarvea's sight is very poor um, and they're trying to protect his sight that's why he's wearing the goggles so I just think um, it's really important just, Ian McKinley gets a shout out on that. Um, you're quite passionate about it, aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> and do you know what? Thanks for that um, ten minute debrief about um, how he got it. But um, yeah, no, to be no, but to you know what? Fair, one thing I think that's really enough. important to say is that um, you know Ardi Sarve is going to have the the headlines <laughs> about this this week. But we've actually got somebody who listens to the pod, Katie McGavigan, and her little girl is playing mini rugby is really into it and she has to wear them she's too small to wear contact lenses so they've bought her at great cost but so that she can continue to play rugby the sport that she loves they've bought her a set of goggles and i just think it's absolutely fantastic that it's giving people um perhaps who would have been excluded from any contact sport an opportunity to get involved yeah no i I mean I do want to be silly because I do take the mick out of your <laughs> eyes quite a lot. But you've got a very good point, Laura Jane Jones. Um, Thanks. And, uh, yeah, I I hope that um, he gets the recognition, McGinty gets the recognition for being the first that's kind of trailblazed, I suppose, because I know that the All Blacks are kind of claiming that a little bit, or the yeah. media are maybe making it out. But, I have um, seen, like, a comment that came from the All Blacks camp that said our medical team... Um, basically um discovered this and i was like no, come on you didn't but like Maybe let's they be honest that there was a player doing it anyway let's 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 move on should we actually talk about rugby well yeah and i think um, that's probably the the big thing isn't it you know Ardi sarvea is going blind and plays rugby like that like do we stand any hope against the all blacks like <laughs> <laughs> what's anyone gonna do yeah they're um <sighs> you know what I think that they were just toying with people before the World Cup, not playing that well, and then uh, toying a little bit with South Africa and then just putting it on when they needed to. But I'm delighted yeah. that Wales beat Australia because, in theory, it means oh, we're, oh, really? we're not on a collision course with New Zealand now. We're on the uh, other side. But And potentially England. Are you? I mean, let's be honest. I'm not it's more of England, England, mate. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? Well, you know, let's just let's look at... We've beaten 
England and Six Nations this year. Let's look at England and the World Cup last time around. I ain't worried. I ain't okay. spooked by you. Okay. Well, there's still time for that to happen. Never know. Um. Um. But yeah, I mean, oh my God. So, Japan Island. Oh, we'll oh talk my. about Wales Australia shortly, but Japan Island has to be the game of the weekend. Oh my God. Game of the tournament. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I kind of feel like, you know, it's in sporting moments the the like sporting gods like shine down on teams. Yeah. It's like the moment that Jess Ennis, um, poster girl of uh, London 2012, she steps out on the track for yeah. the first event and then breaks a British record in the hurdles. I just think, you know, and then just goes on, smashes it, wins gold. It's just amazing. I kind of feel like that was happening when Japan were playing Ireland. Unbelievable. It was amazing. And do you know what? I I listened to a podcast, something that you don't do a lot of, um, (laughs) just before the tournament started, and Matt Gitto was on there, who obviously plays in the J-League and plays his rugby up in Japan for... um, I can't remember what the teams call them. I, in, it was in my head. Sapporo, maybe? The people who make the whiskey? Anyway, and he said, oh, Japan will top the group. And I thought, mate, like, you get paid either way. You don't have to be so disingenuous that you're, like, back in Japan to be <laughs> the best team. But he was, you know, he he's right. Like, they, they, it wasn't just a case that in Brighton four years ago, they sprung a shock against South Africa. Japan looked really good. I mean, Ireland had no plan B. But Japan looked good. Yeah, no, the, like, I just think that in terms of how they play, they, they have their own style. And if you look at all of the big nations that come up against each other, um, they it's more kind of traditional. But yeah. in terms of what um, the, the Japanese produced, they had a varied attack. They were well drilled. They had incredible tempo, um, good continuity. They were clever with taking their points. They missed a couple of penalties early on. But yeah, yeah I just think that it was class. And like the line speed, the effort that they put in and the fact that they were they were so clean in their penalties in the second half. Oh, my God. Like, at, like to put they, playing at that tempo is unbelievable. As a player, are they a team that you would be very wary of playing because you don't know what to expect? Because they they do play a different but successful brand of rugby to other teams that, you know, the tier one nations that you're used to playing. Um, I think you've more got to, you've got to kind of focus on who you are as a team because when you come up against something a bit different if you try and start playing like them it's like when you saw Australia playing against Fiji Australia went like they started throwing the ball about far more they were you know far more risky in terms of how they were playing and it just didn't suit them so you've got to be really really true to who you are as a team and an island who normally are so good at the breakdown and so difficult to get the ball ball from like they were leaving the ball at the back of the breakdown and the Japanese were coming around because the referee was saying the ball's out. Um, they were giving away such cheap penalties in the Japanese breakdown because fundamentally, when a team is playing with that tempo, one, you've got to rely on the fact that they can't last 80 minutes, yeah. Japan did. And secondly, the only way to affect that when you um, when they've got the ball and they're on such a good roll is basically to, to try and slow their ball down. And so if you look at how Ireland did it, they were clearly tackler and then they were sending a jackaler in. But the problem is, is they kept getting it wrong and they kept getting penalised, which actually added to the tempo and added to the fuel of the Japanese fire. And the thing I was thinking about was how nuts the crowd were. I just, like, I like would have loved to have been in that stadium just to feel the oh, energy. Yeah. But I was thinking, and this is a question maybe maybe you can ask Matt Gitto, um <laughs> how like how big are the crowds at club games in Japan? Because well, from my do, experience do, do, of being over there, obviously I've been over there a couple of times in the past eighteen months. Now, because the teams are owned by like corporate entities the workers go to games so that generally they're quite well supported because they work six days a week anyway in Japan but often they will because say you work for Sapporo or you work for Panasonic or another Japanese company I've run out of ones I know you will go <laughs> on the weekend to watch the company team play right so they they are you know they have decent crowd sizes probably bigger than Pro 14 so but, but the- 
it's not a traditional game over there. So what I was thinking is, have they sent out some like rugby guides so people? But then because like, the that's... crowd seemed to be getting behind them quite well in terms of like knowing when to cheer and what to cheer and those types of things. But I think that just a bit of a random one. I think <laughs> something that we probably. Um not disrespect but i think underestimate is we we keep going about oh you know they're not a traditional rugby nation and all this well i can wales have played japan throughout my lifetime so they've you know they've always had an international team that they've worked hard to secure big fixtures against and they've known that the world cup's coming and just like i imagine next year every olympic event will be really well supported and they will know loads about it but i think I know the work that the Welsh Rugby Union have done in Kitakishi, which was kind of Wales's base, has been to spread the gospel of rugby. And I think it's not just a case of the nation getting excited about hosting countries from all around the world and major sporting events. I think they've really tried to become rugby aficionados, which oh, I think is really important. Strong word. Um, Sorry about me. <laughs> Well, I was just actually thinking about the history of Japan and like watching right. them last year. Yeah, not the actual history. I was never. I know I was alright at history. I was really bad at geography. Same. I'm really terrible actually. I'm still really bad at geography though. Yes. Who were we with when we were talking about the north? And you just really butchered it every time you were trying to impress. Tommy Banks. Yeah, he was talking about the fact he was in Yorkshire and you were asking whether we could visit him when we were going to see Sale, which is actually in Manchester. <laughs> actually, I don't think Sale is in Manchester, is it? Well, it's on, it's that side. It's northwest uh, yeah, rather uh, yeah, than northeast. Mate, like, they don't teach kids English geography in Wales. Well, so... they should because you're part of England. Oh, uh, lol. You know, <laughs> do you know the story that when I worked at Sky... I thought I could see the Eiffel Tower from Sky Studios and it was the Crystal Palace phone mast. Like, wow. no word of a lie. I, th- I was like, oh my God, it's such a clear day. Because I always thought London was on the coast and I thought Sorry. Paris was on the coast and neither of them are. No. No, why did you think they were on the coast? don't know, I just <laughs> always did. I also thought that Midsummer was a county until about five years ago. Sorry? You know, Midsummer, like Midsummer Murders. It's not. Did you know it's not a real place? Oh wow! Did you oh, know that? Wow. Um. Well, yeah. I mean. Well, I always assumed it was a well, real. No, there's a place called Midsummer Norton. That's a place. Yeah, but there's not a county called Midsummer. No, no, there's definitely not. Um. Anyway, um, I just want to do a little bit of a. A bit of a shout out, actually, to the Japanese scrum half. I'm going back to it because I was so impressed. Yeah. And anyone that is watching the rugby, one of the biggest things for speed of ball and influence of an attack is actually um, how quick the nine passes the ball off the floor. Yeah. So I think you say his name, Nagara Are. Nagare. No, go on, have another go. No, bugger off. Um, <laughs> they. Um, anyway. The starting scrum half, the second... Yutaka Nagare. Yeah, yeah, he was unbelievable. So anyone watching any of the games, look at how quickly the nine passes the ball in terms of off the floor. And if they pass it off the floor, then as an outside back, you're absolutely laughing because every step that they take or if they pick the ball up is one or two steps from the outside back. So when you've got an umbrella defence coming up from the outside, you basically get hit behind the gain line regularly and that's what was actually happening with Ireland whereas Japan they can build tempo because he just whips it away like it's unbelievable like absolutely but ironic Connor Murray is known for his speed of service and and Ireland just it just seemed to be nullified yeah but then the Japanese were also slowing down their breakdown yeah. so they he was having to fish it out but he does pick it up a little bit um the ball in the air is obviously pretty fast but one then yeah one swallow doesn't make a summer as they say but do you think ireland are now written off as a world cup hope in that not because they've lost japan or that they've lost a game at all but they seemingly lacked a plan b well they just lacked leadership they were sloppy and you can see without their talisman sexton they are nowhere close to who they can be. 
And he's back and he's yeah. playing in the next game. So in terms of... Yeah, but mate, it's against Russia. Yeah, but it's so important that you regather as a team. If you look at their selection, they've but gone then, to hard. to me, that's strange. So, yeah, but why go hard for this game? Samoa will be a harder game. How did, what did you just say? Samoa. <laughs> Don't you start. I had this from Lori and Dan yesterday about the way I pronounce it. What is wrong it. with you? That's how they say it. So that's how, how I... do you say, how do you say the team that Argentina um, played Ponga? against? <laughs> What is wrong? Oh, stop it. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm trying to be authentic. Oh, wow. I'm trying oh, to be authentic. God, you're so... <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, I'm going to make my point. So they select Sexton to play against Russia. Samoa is the more po- the more important game. So he's going to have to play in that one. Then you've got a quarterfinal. So that's Sexton playing three games on the bounce. He don't do that. That's not yeah, something not... that he does. Yeah, but it's not necessarily playing a full 80. Like, in terms of what he offers the team, it's about steadying the ship. And and Russia aren't a bad side. They stayed with Japan and they create, they'll create they create challenges for Ireland. They need to find out, um, like, who they are at this tournament. Okay. They haven't settled. They haven't... Um, they Obviously, losing to Japan is a huge, um, like... Rock in the in terms of the ship, but they can't afford to not get a bonus point, not play well, and not build confidence. And so I back his I back um, the selection for for the, that for Russia. You'll see a lot of changes early doors as soon as they've got enough points. Um, but it also might come down to points. You know, if three teams go through with yeah. um, with one loss each, then it's down to well, that's where that losing bonus, bonus point was critical, wasn't it, for Ireland against yeah. Japan. Um, Tell me about big tournament rugby and the emotional exhaustion that you suffer if you are, you know, I know from your experience at the 500 World Cups you've played in, you'd have frequently played in match after match after match after match. How difficult is it to manage the kind of, you know, it is very draining getting yourself up for that. You know, every game is a big game especially when you get to the kind of pointy end of it. How difficult is that to manage within a squad? And how difficult is it to manage personally? Um, I don't think the games are a problem because like, physically you're knackered, but that's why you're there. Like, that's yeah. what the exciting thing is. And you've kind of got a new challenge every time you get on the field. Um, and that's what you want to do. Like every player doesn't, doesn't train to train, you train to play. Um, I think the more experienced you get and the kind of the latter... Um, World Cups that I went to, um, I definitely was far more relaxed in terms of my approach to the games, which was less draining. I think when it's your first World Cup and you're a younger player, um, you're far more heightened. I remember in 2014 when we won the first game, I um, absolutely boiling. We played Samoa, as you just said. Um, in okay. fact, we need to get. We can ask Johnny Leota, um, who is still giving me jip about match pine, um, but we'll be getting him on the pod. And he's actually played for them, so um, yeah. we can ask him uh, Johnny to Johnny listens to the pod, and I've got no doubt we will get a tweet or an Instagram mention applauding the effort I put into my pronunciation <laughs> of both Polynesian and Melanesian nations. You're so horrendous. <laughs> I think the word you're looking for is try hard. Yeah, absolute try hard. Um, can't remember what I was talking about. Talking about emotional pressure. Oh, uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, 2014, we were playing Samoa in the first game. It was absolutely boiling. Um, and my, But my GPS, oh, my God, they were absolutely through the roof. And then every game, it was, like, going down and down and down because I clearly was just thinking, I don't need to run to everything anymore. I'm just going to sa- save my energy. Um, so, actually, in terms of the physical managing... Uh, management of players like the technology that they have now actually enables what you do um, in training between games and um, when it's a tight turnaround um, actually were pre in previous years they would rest a lot of the in particular the front five because of the collisions that they would yeah. be going through the physical exhaustion whereas in the latter part of my career we like the outside backs had 
the most amount of off-feet time because we would be hitting huge distances of high, is maximal high-speed running because of the way we played with kick chase um, and the way that we move the ball. So um, it is amazing how technology is is influencing that. And then I suppose the other side of it is the mental fatigue, and it is tiring. Um, so it's just understanding how you can switch off and. Um, I suppose as professional players, you get used to it, but like going out and exploring the country and doing something as much as you don't want to be on your feet too much is actually really good. And so it's nice to see players going out and doing things. Um, And people kind of have commented saying, oh, they're not concentrating. Actually, it's the best thing for you when you're away is go and do something fun. When we were in Paris, when we won, we went off on a boat trip and saw the actual Eiffel Tower rather than um, Crystal Palace. (laughs) telegraph pole but um yeah i think it is it is tiring and the men's world cup is far longer than ours um but actually the women's has been announced for uh, up to six it's now in new zealand uh, in 21 i think it's going to be six weeks so it is that little bit longer if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. All right. Just before we um, put a pin in the World Cup, uh, Wales, Australia. I mean, from what we've seen, Wales probably going to win the World Cup, aren't they? Yeah, of course. They're going to like beat everyone by 50 points as well. Great, OK. I'm glad that we've, we've put that to bed. Right, let's move on from one great competition to another. Tyrrell's round two on the weekend. And yeah. um, Richmond still haven't scored a point. Yeah, not ideal start. Um, but then they have faced, to be fair, Quinns and Saris. So yeah, they have gone the up against the hardest. The horrendous start. Yeah, but the the biggest match for me at the weekend was Bristol Loughborough. Um, obviously, we spoke to Kimmy the before the um, league kicked off, and she was in high hopes in terms of how they prepared and, and where they were at. They had a good scoreline um, against Saris the first round, um, and uh, yeah, they narrowly lost twenty two to thirty five. But um, but beating Loughborough 27-10. And Loughborough weren't messing about. They had Skaz and Katie, yeah. uh, Daley McLean playing. Um, they had a good good outfit, in particular in the backs. And the forwards, they're missing their Scottish internationals because um, they're off playing in South Africa. Um, Rachel Malcolm being one of them, he's yeah. like quite a key player for them up front. But, um, yeah, that was a big score. Um, I know Waspy girls were really disappointed to lose to Gloucester. Proper title, um, 20- 22-19. Oof. Yeah, and... Um, by the sounds of things, they're affected a lot by uh, being penalised. So it'll be interesting to see how 
Giselle manages that. Um, spoken to a couple of girls and they were super frustrated, but fair play to Gloucester. Um, yeah, I guess with the, regards to Wasps being penalised, I know having spoken to Giselle a couple of weeks ago, she's very much trying to change the way Wasps play this season and enacting a new type of game plan. I guess discipline something that's always going to be an issue there because no, you're still think, learning yes and no like I, I think a lot of them were actually in the um from a defensive perspective um and and maybe you know there's a there's a big difference if you look at the squad this year i mean it's amazing and a huge huge shout out to harriet um, miller mills who is now back playing um oh, from the, two acls the big um, red-headed vegan herself Legend. yeah in- absolutely incredible um that she's back out there she's like i'm not playing well i'm like mate you've been up for two years um give yourself a break but um yeah i think the the main penalties were um around the breakdown in defense um and if you look at the squad now um like you take rocky obviously she's gone to saracens i'm not playing at the moment you take two senior players out in terms of decision making and making sure that you understand where the penalties are coming from and communications around the squad and leadership. Like it's a very different squad this yeah. year. Um, and that's now up to those girls to step up and put it right because it's not okay to continually make the same mistakes. And I don't know whether they did and I haven't seen the game, but um, with the penalties that Giselle was talking about, actually, um, yeah, there's a lot of steep learning for the girls to do because you can't afford um, to to give away um, cheap possession to all of the top teams and, you know, Gloucester have capitalised on that. Quinn's had another big win, 48-7 over Warriors. But I have to say, I'm quite surprised by that scoreline. It seems like Worcester maybe kept a bit more in touch than, you know, they put 100 points on Richmond. So whether they weren't stretching their legs as much or what, it's... um... Yeah, they went for a slightly different um, selection this year uh, this this year this round um and uh in terms of um in terms of that game i mean i don't know whether the weather affected it this weekend um Worcester on on a bad team um they they definitely improved um from last year um especially having Lydia Thompson back yeah. and the recruitment they've got Laura Keats playing in the front row um and they've got a number of Welsh players there as well so um I don't think that we need to count them out but I suppose the team for me that are str- like the two teams that are really struggling is one Richmond like you say haven't scored yeah. and two um Waterloo um they lost they- 46 26 to DMP on the weekend yeah, and, and lost their first round as well. So um, I suppose it brings us on to talking about the fact that the top teams have got done some ridiculous recruitment and they're clearly showing their dominance. And um, quite amazing stats, actually. 28 contracts have gone out to the England players. 21 of them have gone to Saris, Quinns and Loughborough. And... You know, so Bristol have got two, um, which so good going for them to to beat the likes of Loughborough this round. Um, really good going, yeah. um, but it's going to show it's going to show a huge dominance if those players are fit because Quinns don't have everyone fit at the moment. Vicky Cornborough, um is injured. Rachel Burford is injured. I know she's not contracted this year, but you know, a senior international. But you know, um, what? I think people at home might not necessarily realise what the contracting means for clubs on a week-to-week basis. I know when we talked to Kim about it, they've got two players at Bristol. So she basically will lead training sessions on a daily basis for two people if none of the other girls can make it. Whereas Quinn's, you know, think how many players are turning up there on a daily basis and what that does for your team and your squad and unity and... It's massive. It's huge. And like yeah, and it's not just the England girls, so they've got Scottish internationals that are full time, so Chloe Rowley, um, you've got um, Jade Conkle. Yeah, Jade, Leah Lyons from Ireland. Um I'm not quite sure who else is full-time with them, but, you know, having spoken to Gary Street, he's saying that they've got around 20 players that are full-time that are going to go into all their sessions. Now, like you say, in terms of their development as a squad, that's going to accelerate their opportunities, not just as individuals, but as a team, because they're around each other so much more. Their on-field time is so much greater. They've got the time to invest in analysis in terms of physical development. And I hope it doesn't happen, but I can't see any other 
any other future in the state of all of the selection and the recruitment this year that Saris and Quinns completely pull away from everybody. Um, and then Do you believe it's... that there needs to be a, a cap then? Is that the only logical way for this to move forward, that teams are capped at, say, five England contracts? Um, I know that that type of um, number has been discussed um, in terms of moving the league forward, but how can you put a cap on when players are fundamentally moving their lives they're buying houses they're they're moving their partners to areas but to then play that's for a professional team. sport that's professional sport isn't it and and you you have to take the rough with the smooth and i think that's the reality of it you know if it, we are in the is. early days of, of you know elite professional women's sport but they're the sacrifices you have to make and if yeah, they're, they they're central contracts at the end of the day england own this league the rfu own this league What's the point of it if you've got two teams that are basically England A and England B or England 1 and England 2 and nobody else can come close or touch them? Well, yeah, look, I completely agree and they have to do something about it because it, it won't, it, it's not going to help the um, the development. But, you know, pe- teams like Exeter putting their hand up wanting to bring in a professional league, um, it, t- professional team. They've made a massive statement with that. Yeah. So you might see more players be able to move back home if they're from the southwest. Um, from In terms of you saying it's professional sport, that's fine if you're earning a lot of money in terms of you know, you com- they can comfortably afford to pay rent in a new place. They can comfortably afford to, yeah, to but move the, their the two teams, lives. The two teams that everyone is centrally at are the two London teams. So the reality is you move away from them and cost of living is going to be cheaper anyway. Yes and no, because actually Quinns are based out in near Guildford, so they're in Surrey. So they're yes, they're in Surrey, and it's an expensive county, but they're commutable. They're not in a central London location, and so are um, Surrey's. So they're actually their training base as professional players is Old Albanians. Um, so they're which is in St Albans. So yes, they're reasonably wealthy areas, but I think that the fundamental challenge that the RFU are going to have is that if they put a cap on it how teams are going to respond having invested a whole heap of money this year um, to be able to recruit them and um, I think that they have not been strict enough in the first two years and now are unfortunately going to have to deal with the repercussions of two in my opinion superpowers fair enough Let's move from the Tyrrells on to... I said it correctly for you for a change. Um, <laughs> on to the Sevens. The Women's Seven Series kicks off this weekend in Glendale, Colorado. Mile high. The girls are at extreme altitude for the first round of the new series. The Expanded Series. It's pretty exciting. Mm. It is. Um and it feels really strange that it's come around so soon. And um, Abby Brown actually tweeted today saying um, that she can't believe the first tournament week is here. Um, it's quite crazy because you get so engrossed in 15s with it being World Cup. And then, and actually, it's then, I don't know, it's then upon us with the sevens. And there's going to be some really awesome rugby played. And actually, this year is so important for these teams because it all culminates in, yeah, in Tokyo. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see um, how England do, actually. Um, they didn't have a good season last year. It was up and down. Um, but having qualified for, for the Olympics... Which they, was awesome. Just so good. Yeah. No, it was absolutely incredible. And, and they super proud of them and I know that they're proud of themselves for doing it but can they continue that form into the into the World Series to give themselves a bit of belief and under Charlie Hayter I think they're in a really good place to to kick on um, they've had a few injuries and obviously veteran Claire Allen has now um, left the squad and is back in the police so yeah look out London look out PC London. Colin is around I was actually um <laughs> I was with Ben Ryan on the weekend because he's working on Scrum 5 with me and I said to him, oh, you know, will teams be less bothered about winning the World Series because they're ultimately looking at an Olympic gold medal? And he was like, no, absolutely not. You want to win the World Series and you want to win the gold a couple of weeks later. Yeah, well, it just sets up the sets up the winning habit. You know, yeah. you look at New Zealand and the, and, and the girls, they are just absolutely formidable um 
I, I, I can't see past them at like blitzing, um, especially the first start of the series. If you look yeah. at the players they've got available to them, the the form that they seem to the look in in terms of all their training. Yeah. Obviously, they've got to get out on the field. Um, we didn't really see the best of Australia last year. No. Um, had a real kind of average season, even though they were getting to finals and doing well. But it did feel that they were bringing a lot of young girls through and there was a kind of ever-changing like squad week on week in the series for them. So that I think this season, John Menenti has a far bigger group of players that he can select from. So he will be getting to the kind of Hong Kong um, and events thereafter with a group of girls that he's been able to test a much larger group to work out who he actually wants in his Olympic squad. Yeah, and no, it is important to get depth. And in sevens, you can't just rely on 12 players because if anything happens to a couple of them, the whole dynamic changes Absolutely. because of units and, and how players play together. And some players cover a couple of different positions. Um, I never covered the fours. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made the statement that if I ever had to go in the scrum in sevens, then I should never be play- I shouldn't be playing and I should have retired. <laughs> Um, Mate, you're a bit slower. Maybe that's what you can do. Maybe that's how you can make a comeback. Well, you never know. You never might be know. Cough. I, you never know. Charlie Hayter might be listening to this. He might say, "You know what? Um, I know the missing the missing link for our." Uh, I often call <laughs> you the missing link. So um, I tell you who else is. I tell you who is making a comeback very soon. Portia Woodman. I cannot wait to see her back out on the seventh field this season. All right, super fan. Yeah, but I um, love I love Porsche and she's something oh God, else. Don't shorten her name like you're Bezzies. We are Bezzies. So cringe. Sorry, we're not Bezzies. Gossy, I'd never do that to you. You're my Bezzy, you know that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think any um, any player that's had major surgery um, like she has, it's just good to see people back on the field. And yeah. I'm sure she'll be carving up even at running at 50%. She'll be jogging and still burning people. So, yeah, I'm actually really to interested see to see how um, the Irish girls go this season. They will be bitterly disappointed about failing to qualify for the Olympics. But the IRFU have put a big sum of money into their sevens program at long last. The boys are on the World Series as well. And they've got this new elite training centre out at Swords, which is near the airport in Dublin. And I know the girls have all got flashing new boots from Alvary Sports. I've seen that all over the ground this week. But I think they'll be looking to spoil the party during the World 7 Series, knowing that they won't get a crack at a, a medal in Tokyo next year. Yeah, look, it was really disappointing that they... Unfortunately, they faced England in the quarterfinal, yeah. which meant that they then got knocked out going into the, the next rounds, when actually they are a top team they yeah. just haven't been consi- they just weren't consistent enough last year which is a shame because they put in some incredible performances at different tournaments um making their first ever semi-final um, which is awesome but um yeah i i think having the men on the series um and uh long time fan of the pod mcnuts <laughs> <laughs> leading the boys um i think um I think that would be really positive for the Irish programme and them getting to train. Are they training together? Are they yeah, in the same venue? Yeah, they're all um, in the same place. It makes such a difference. And I know having England um, girls down at the Lensbury with the boys, they train together, there's um, shared resources, there's a, just a really good vibe. And the fact that there's so many tournaments with men and women on um, throughout this series um, yeah, I think it will be really positive for Irish rugby. The boys are still in with a shot um, through World Repechage, um, which would be a massive ask. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a shame because they're great girls um, and uh, I hope that they still have the courage to go out and perform. And, and like you say, there's still a World Series up for grabs and, and each of the events, they'll be wanting to, to take it to each of the teams. Okay, well, we've been chatting for 45 minutes, so before we go, let's have a quick word on Bird. Lisa Burgess has been um, brought onto the WRU board. She's the first woman on the board. Um, awesome. Birdie! 62 Birdie. caps for Wales, four World Cups. Did you play with my her at Clifton? Training, yeah, um, my training partner at UIC. I was 21, she was 42. That's so um, good. And she burned me on um, a track session. I was gutted. <laughs> Um, she'd come back from back surgery and um, yeah, she uh, 
she was got I got her back on in the squat rack and training hard and she just is an incredible uh woman and and a real um real role model for me actually the way that she played the way that she led her team and um, we played against each other in uh England Wales and in fact one of the most special um moments for me was when I got asked to be um in the barbarian squad and she was one of the coaches with Anna Richards um two people that I massively looked up to as a younger player and then to have them coach in the side um and especially because birdie loves a beer <laughs> i from a from a welsh perspective i think it is um long overdue but very very good news from the welsh rugby union for her to be there and i think very important for the direction of women's rugby in wales um in the future now in the immediate future now in a minute now in a minute um right. I, no, look, I totally agree and actually the fact that tails uh, rachel taylor is coaching um and is being recognized within the wru and i i honestly think birdie is the only person that can do that role in terms of flying the flag for women's rugby having played it having coached it having lived it um and is just an incredible woman in terms of what who she is um so from that perspective um i think you've got a good one and uh, i hope that she manages to start turning around the support that that the young the young girls and the and the women are getting in wales because at the moment it is lagging behind the other countries yeah. and i say that actually as disappointed because you're such a passionate rugby nation like why are the girls not being looked after and i think 100%. that she hopefully can make a difference right um I think that wraps us up for this week. Florida. Hoyle Val. Is that the right word? No, that's good morning. Hoyle Val. North Star. <laughs> I tried. You tried. You tried hard. Bye. I tried hard. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 